This, this, this is you. K U T. K U T. Austin. Stop. I used to get mad at my And welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast, focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer. And I'm ready for a new Higher Ed. Okay, I am too. I'm also ready for you to pronounce a word that I don't know how to pronounce. All right. So the Brown Symposium is coming up <laughs> near end of February. Anthropocy. And that's how you pronounce it? Anthropocy. Okay. Well, then the episode is done. That's all I needed to do. <laughs> no. Let's talk about it. So here's the description of the upcoming Brown Symposium. It's a little bit long, but it's really interesting. Yeah, Um, yeah. Please read it. The earth and all of the species living here go through various transformations over time. For example, there have been six great extinction periods over the last 500 million years. And in parentheses, we are living in one now. But for the first time in this series of changes, one species is the primary cause, humans. In response to that, some scientists and historians suggest that we have entered, parenthetically, and created a new geological epoch. Welcome to the Anthropocene, the age of humans. While this might seem and is quite a self-centered designation, it is also, and more importantly, a self-critical one. Because of humans, the climate is changing and numerous other species have either gone extinct or are threatened with extinction. Should we just sit idly by continuing down this road, or should we enact change to try to shift the path of destruction? That's the topic. Yeah, and it really should be interesting. Um, we're going to be bringing to campus uh, speakers from around the country to to take on this issue of where our earth is, where our environment is, and uh, the impacts uh, that uh, have been caused by by humans. And what I find exciting about this is that the question is, how can we be solution-focused? So how can we use environmental science to look for answers? And the, the thing that, that I'm always buoyed by when I look at uh, the students around here and, and the programs that we have here on campus at Southwestern is that we're very realistic about the fact that, well, you know, if you're thinking about, you know, a carbon footprint, well, you know, well, listen, let's just get rid of all cars. Well, that that's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, and then there's still a lot of planes in the air. And so, you know, so there's a reality to some of these issues. But but what can we do and, and how can we be creative? How can we use our creativity and innovation to engineer – ways of doing things differently that actually will have a positive impact on on earth on our environment and and on the infrastructure of nature and i think that those are interesting questions to ask and and i think many would argue that they are um existential questions well there's certainly there's questions on the practical level as you said and then there are questions on a bigger picture level if i'm remembering right 
I think the coordinator of the event is actually from the religion department. Yes, exactly. And so Laura Hobgood is a professor of religion here, but she is also uh, one of the members involved in our um, environmental studies uh, interdisciplinary program. And so she's very much uh, involved in these issues. And so, yeah, and, and she's the one who is organizing this. She holds one of our brown chairs uh, and so that's why this is the the Brown Symposium. I'll tell you some of the uh, cl- clever thing, creative and clever things that that she's doing, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, again, in the spirit of just trying to show uh, an alternate kind of reality that might be in practice, she, uh, you know, this is going to go on for two days, uh, February 27th and 28th. And by the way, the entire community is invited, and it's free. All the lectures and all the events. There's going to be a um, gallery exhibit of some art that, that corresponds to, to this. So there's many, many events, and if you go to um, southwestern.edu, you can, you can read it all. But one of the things that you know, normally happens when you have these kind of symposia, you have something to drink, so there's some water and stuff in case you get thirsty. There uh, will be no plastic cups. And in fact, what she, she's arranging is for us to have um, cups that are, that are somehow – they look like plastic, but they're actually made of like rice – some kind of rice product, and they're, so they're very biodegradable. And then the other thing which I think is interesting is that she is going to be serving uh, at some of the meals. So we're going to have like meals for our visiting dignitaries and whatnot, and, and those will be uh, vegetarian and vegan uh, because you know there is a lot of uh, negative impacts to our environment when you look at, at beef and cattle. I mean that's just a, a fact. Uh, and now I love eating meat and I, I eat meat, but – but I think it's interesting for us to be challenged to say, okay, now what if you were to imagine a different type of – different form of diet and how the impact, uh, the impact it could have on our environment and on our world? And I think that if we're not open to explore those questions and to look for um, alternatives, then, then we're just being closed-minded, uh, you know, whether – you know, no matter what side you are on in terms of climate change and whatnot – um, we just have to be open to the reality that we should be looking to learn and see if we can do things better. You know what's so interesting to me? I stumbled across my college transcript a few weeks ago. Oh, did you bring it? Uh, I did not. <laughs> I graduated from college in 1989, and mm. I took Environmental Studies 101. I think I took it senior year, so 88 or spring of 89. Right. And it was a very young department. It was a very new department. There were some courses offered. I'm not sure it was a major. And I looked at my transcript and I thought, wow, this is really interesting because now there are departments, there are symposia. We talk about climate change. We talk about the science. And it's just been interesting over the past, well, it's exactly 30 years since I graduated from college, over the past 30 years, how the discipline has evolved and really staked a claim in a lot of places, including Colleges and universities. Well, and and cities and towns. I mean, when we're thinking about energy sources and energy resources, uh, I mean, it is the the driving force, I would say, behind almost everything, right? Uh, Our economy and how people live and how people work and how people engage with each other. uh, The issues of anthropocene really uh, are, are universal and it's wonderful that we, over time, realize uh, the importance of these issues and then begin to study them and look for uh, solutions that, that could make all of our lives better and the life of the planet better. And I think that 
you know, being open to that, I think is great. By the way, you're talking about, you know, of course, I graduated long before you did. No, you a, did not. Such a Cut baby. It out. But can I tell you the equivalent thing for me? Yes. So when I was in school, computer science oh, yeah. was such a non-discipline that while I was an undergraduate at my school, there were enough courses to offer a minor in it. But there, it, and, and I remember the math faculty saying, well, you know, you certainly don't can't imagine a major in it right now. I mean, I think that they understood that one day there would probably would be one, but right now they just didn't have the infrastructure. So that's how young the field was then in terms of studying. And now computer science, of course, is is a real actual thing. That, it again, is a real actual thing. Just just like um, just like environmental science, you know, is is existential. Another real actual thing is the puzzler <laughs> from last week. <laughs> Which, those segues. No. Those I Jennifer Staten segues. So it was a little complicated. I do have a possible answer though. So Good. please please remind us what the puzzler was from All last right. week. So it was a little bit it actually comes from a, a national mathematics contest back from uh nineteen ninety one, which apparently both you and I had already graduated we from college. Did. Uh and and here it is. So suppose that we are in a place such that Three days ago, uh-huh. yesterday, was the day before Sunday. The challenge is, in that hypothetical, what day will it be tomorrow? Um, I'll toss up my answer and then we can work through it. I said Thursday. And that is absolutely correct. And would you please Woo-hoo! share with us how you got the correct answer? Well, okay, goodness. If I can read my own scratch of handwriting here. So three days ago, yesterday was the day before Sunday – which is just easier to say three days ago yesterday was Saturday. Right, because yesterday and day before means that you're basically at Sunday. At the day, Sunday. Yes, exactly. They cancel out. Right, Sunday. So then then the question is three days ago being Sunday. Yes. So then you go three days forward and you hit Wednesday. Correct. So then tomorrow from Wednesday is Thursday. Bravo. Look at you. Well, I liked puzzling through that one. It, it, I did have to jot down a lot. But, I, but that's the it. kind of thing that I think keeps my mind fresh. But it's it, – it, I mean talk about a really deep understanding, right? Three days ago, mm-hmm. yesterday was the day before Sunday. What day will it be tomorrow? There's so much to unpack there that you've got to go through every single there's, – there's nothing superfluous. Every single word is essential. Right. And uh, – also, another another uh, technique I employed was to make it simple. So mm. yesterday was the day before Sunday. Well, what's that? The day before Sunday is Saturday. Like right. take, boil it down as much as you can and exactly. then go back through it. And when you boil down some of those extra words and got to the kind of the meat of it, that also made it a little easier to eventually get to the end. Brilliant, brilliant, and more brilliant. Well, thank you, thank you, and thank you. So, Ed, I actually have a question about getting back, talking about the upcoming Brown Symposium. I'm curious also just when you talk about a symposium in general or sort of a gathering over a couple of days, lots of speakers, students, community members, what is the goal or what is sort of the best hope for a big event such as that? So I'm just going to talk personally. This is just Ed talking. I'm not even speaking on behalf of the – of the university. But my goals include, first of all, a, a shared experience. So uh, the neat thing about the Brown Symposium is that it is considered like the 
most important type of event on our campus, which means that faculty can elect to cancel their classes and have students go to this. Um, if there are meetings going on or you know whatever, you can get out of all those. This this takes precedence over anything, basically. And so what 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 I hope is that it's a time of congregation where the entire community, and again, it's open to the public, so we get a lot of people from Central Texas and even beyond who will come in um, to, to just to, to hear some experts from around the country uh, really think about a particular type of issue. And, and, and Laura Hobgood has designed this so that it's going to be multifaceted. We're going to come at Anthropocene from a lot of different perspectives. Like, so that's one thing is the, is the congregation aspect of just a shared experience. The other thing is to see if if we can inspire each other and learn from each other and to be and to hear new ideas and to see where those new ideas will lead us. And that has to me the promise of the future, which is just how do we become better versions of ourselves, which is the essence of education. So these symposia that that are not specialized, so they're for the experts, you know, which those things exist too. But these symposia that are open for everybody, I think, are designed to a, bring everybody together and then uh, share this common experience and then see if we can be inspired to look at our world. In this case, that literally is what the topic is, looking at our world and seeing it in a deeper, clearer, more focused way. And then challenging ourselves to say, where do we go from here and what do we do? And that's exciting. And may I just also say to challenge all of our listeners – if you wish to attend, if you happen to be in the central Texas area and, and want to come to Georgetown, they are the events are February 27th through 28th. And if you go on to southwestern.edu, you can read all about the events that surround it and then all the symposia events themselves, the speakers, the titles, the locations. Well, Ed, thank you for always challenging us. Dr. Ed Berger is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. You can find out more at southwestern.edu. And you can keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News.